Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCS's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm your host, Sasha Yulman, the Director of Diabetes Education and Prevention Programs at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Before we jump in, I want to note that this episode is sponsored by Fresh Avocados, Love One Today, and we thank them for their support of the podcast. Love One Today is a leading source of the healthiest reasons and tastiest ways to enjoy fresh avocados. As a science-based resource, Love One Today provides turnkey solutions that make it easy for healthcare professionals to stay on top of the latest research and confidently recommend fresh avocados. Today, I'm joined by Erin Polinski-Wade, a registered dietitian, a nationally recognized nutrition, diabetes, and fitness expert, and the founder and owner of Vernon Nutrition Center, LLC, a nutrition counseling group focused in the areas of weight management, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, gut health, sports nutrition, and general wellness. She has contributed her expertise to media outlets such as Good Morning America, The Doctors, The Early Show, Food Network, and MSNBC. Erin is a spokesperson for Love One Today and author of multiple publications, including The Two-Day Diabetes Diet. Today, we're going to be talking about a couple of my favorite nutrients, good fats and fiber. When it comes to nutrition and diabetes management, these nutrients can play an important role, and yet many adults aren't getting enough. We're going to dive into this and discuss how these nutrients can improve health outcomes for people with or at risk for diabetes, as well as highlight food sources and how we can help patients get enough of these nutrients. Erin, welcome to the huddle. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. And, you know, today we're talking about one of my favorite topics too, the role of good fats and fiber and the role they play in diabetes management. So would you mind introducing yourself and share a bit about your background and work in the nutrition and diabetes space? Sure, of course, I'd love to. So um, just a little bit of background about myself. I am a registered dietitian, and I am also a certified diabetes care and education specialist. And I've had my private practice um, for a little bit over 15 years now. So in my private practice, I specialize in the area of type 2 diabetes, weight management, as well as family nutrition. And then outside of my private practice, I also work as a nutrition communications consultant. So I write and contribute articles for digital and print publications like everydayhealth.com and Diabetes Forecast Magazine. And then I also get to work with companies and brands that I love and I trust, like my role as a loved one today, avocado goodness expert. Um, I've also transitioned to kind of work online as well and, and build up my community online. So now I do a lot of serving people with insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes via my social media channels and my blog and my YouTube channel. Uh, which is called Healthy Mom, Happy Family, because my mission really is to show people that no matter how busy they are, you can take the time to take care of yourself, even if it feels like you don't have any time for your health. 
And that's where, you know, today I'm so excited to be here to discuss with you the research on fats and fiber, as well as how we can help our patients to really make those practical and sustainable dietary changes. So that way they can start to maximize their health outcomes, but without feeling like they're overwhelmed or that they have to give up the foods that they love and enjoy. Oh, yeah. So tell me a little bit more about why do we need fats in the diet in the first place? Yes, such a great question. I mean, so dietary fat plays so many roles in the body. So they can give you energy, they can protect your organs to keep your body warm. And then fats also help to absorb some nutrients and produce hormones that can regulate metabolism in our cells. Now, when it comes to diabetes management, you know, I know a lot of times carbohydrates really get all the focus and all the attention, but eating the right kinds of fats is also important for reducing risk factors, especially when we think about fat, it can support heart health and brain. Now, you know, long ago, I know, you know, we all remember that fat-free craze when the fat-free diet was so popular and fats were really villainized. And there's so many people today that still worry about adding fats into their meals. But there's been a lot of research since then, and we now know that if you're limiting or avoiding all fat in the diet altogether, it can actually have a negative impact on your health. So when you focus too much on cutting out all fat, you're actually depriving your body of what it needs. So what are the different types of fat and which should we be focusing on when talking with our patients? Great question. So basically, when we look at fats, there's three different types. There's saturated, unsaturated, and trans fats. So when we think about saturated fats, um, in high amounts, these can raise LDL or bad cholesterol levels, which then can form plaque in the arteries and increase the risk of cardiovascular disease and stroke. Now, when we think about where they're coming from, saturated fats are primarily found in animal products, like high-fat cuts of meat, if we look at butter and lard and full-fat dairy. And then, of course, if you're looking at you know, common sources like desserts, baked goods, and even some sweet snacks can often have saturated fat along with fast foods. Now, when you think about nutrient-dense foods, they tend to have a very minimal amount of saturated fat, but that does make it difficult to completely eliminate it from the diet. And that's why there's this range of an intake. It's okay to have some saturated fat. We just don't want to have too much. And when you're trying to identify where saturated fats are coming from in the diet, they tend to be more solid at room temperature than a vegetable or fish oil. So if you look at you know, how butter or lard hardens as it cools, you can identify what might have more saturated fat in the diet when you're choosing food choices. Now, unsaturated fats, these are what we think of as good fats because the consumption of them can be beneficial for health. Uh, for example, they can help to support healthy blood cholesterol levels. Now, within unsaturated fats, there's two types. There's the monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats. Now, monounsaturated fats are found in foods like fresh avocado and peanut butter. You'll also find these fats in nuts and seeds like almonds and hazelnuts and cashews and sunflower seeds. And then they are in plant oils like olive oil and peanut oil and canola oil. Polyunsaturated fats, these are the fats that include omega-3 fatty acids as well as omega-6 fatty acids. And we find these in plant-based oils like soybean oil and corn and safflower oils. And they're also abundant in foods like walnuts and flaxseed and sunflower seeds. You also get them in fish like salmon and mackerel and tuna. Now that third type of fat, trans fats, has been mostly eliminated from manufactured foods in the U.S. due to its negative impact on health. So you don't find that as often now. But for general wellness, especially when we're thinking about people who have diabetes, we want to focus on getting more unsaturated fats in the diet and reducing saturated fat. So you mentioned nutrient-dense. How would you define and describe nutrient-dense foods for our audience? 
Yeah, so nutrient-dense foods and beverages, um, basically they provide vitamins and minerals and other health-promoting components. And they also have little added saturated fat, little added sugar or sodium. So for example, if you look at a food like avocados, avocados are a nutrient-dense food. They have nearly 20 vitamins and minerals and other nutrients, including unsaturated fats, and they're a good source of fiber. Now, from a nutrition standpoint, we want more nutrient-dense foods in the diet because they really give you more of that bang for your buck. And so incorporating nutrient-dense foods as part of your regular eating pattern is going to help ensure you're taking in more of those nutrients into your diet. Well, that's a great segue into fiber. Now let's talk about what are some of the health benefits of fiber? Yes, absolutely. So it's like one of my favorite nutrients to talk about is fiber Um, because fiber plays such an important role in reducing the risk of diabetes as well as helping to manage diabetes. And it also supports gut and heart health. Now, research does suggest that diseases like obesity, type 2 diabetes, even inflammatory bowel disease and colon cancer are all impacted by gut health, which is why it's so important that we focus on gut health. Now, when you think about the gut overall, it's a pretty complex and very important organ because what it does is it breaks down the food you eat into nutrients that can be absorbed and carried throughout your body. So within your intestines, there's this community of friendly bacteria living in there to support your gut health. And what these bacteria do is they break down nutrients, they produce compounds, and then they also send communication to the rest of the body. Plus, they help to influence your immune system. Now, this is where we tie it back to dietary fiber because dietary fiber is essentially food for these good bacteria in the gut. Now, fiber comes from plants in the diet. So foods like fresh avocado and other fruits and vegetables, we get fiber from beans and nuts and seeds and whole grains. And it plays a very important role because fiber provides fuel to the gut bacteria that they need so that they can flourish. And it has an impact on digestion. You know, fiber helps to contribute to that feeling of fullness after a meal and also helps to normalize our bowel movements. I always think of fiber as a scrub brush for our insides, but is all fiber the same? Yeah, I love that visual <laughs> visualization. <laughs> With fiber, we need enough fiber in the diet, but there are two types of fiber. So there's insoluble fiber and there's soluble fiber, and they do offer health benefits, both types, but they do differ slightly. So when you think about insoluble fiber, this is the type of fiber that really doesn't dissolve in water and it passes through the gut largely undigested. So what this type of fiber does is it supports insulin sensitivity and it helps to keep your bowels healthy and to keep you regular. So when you think about food sources of insoluble fiber, you'll find this in the skins of fruits and vegetables. Um, whole wheat flour, bran, nuts, and seeds. That's where you're going to get a lot of insoluble fiber. Now, soluble fiber, on the other hand, kind of like how its name says, is it does allow itself to be absorbed. So in the body, what happens is it forms this gel-like substance in your stomach, and that slows down digestion. So when we have diets rich in soluble fiber, these can help to promote healthy blood sugar levels and cholesterol levels, which can help to prevent or manage diabetes complications. Now, when you think about where soluble fiber comes from, it comes from a variety of fruits and vegetables. So apples, bananas, avocados, as well as beans and lentils, and even oats are all a good source of soluble fiber. So if you're looking for a higher fiber intake overall, get both kinds of fiber. 
Let's talk about fat now. Thinking about how much we actually need. We'll start with fat and go on to fiber. Yeah, definitely. So when it comes to fats, you might notice the most recent dietary guidelines for Americans really moved away from having a specific amount of total fat in the diet. So there's not a concrete recommendation to exactly how much. But there is an emphasis on keeping saturated fat in the diet to less than 10% of total calories and emphasizing taking in more unsaturated fats over saturated fat. Now, when we want to think about numbers and what that means, if you're looking at keeping saturated fat to less than 10% of your total daily calories, if you were to consume a 2,000 calorie diet, that would be 200 calories or less per day coming from saturated fat. And when we look at those same dietary guidelines for Americans, you know, they're really focusing on replacing saturated fat with unsaturated fat because it can reduce the LDL or bad cholesterol levels in the blood. When it comes to fiber, how much of that do we need? Pretty much most of us just need to know that we need more, right? I mean, most people aren't getting enough. Um, it's a pretty staggering statistic when you think about it. More than 90% of women and as much as 97% of men in the U.S. do not meet the fiber goals per day, which is pretty crazy. The typical American only consumes about 16 grams of fiber per day. And what we should be consuming is for every 1,000 calories, we consume at least 14 grams of fiber. So for the average 2,000 calorie a day diet, that would be 28 grams of fiber per day. And, you know, it's really recommended, especially for people with diabetes, that they consume at least the recommended amount of fiber. Um, that's what's recommended by the Dietary Guidelines for Americans because it's so beneficial to overall health. Um, I just wanted to note, you know, especially if people are listening and saying, okay, now I'm really going to crack down and add more fiber. Just don't forget when you're increasing your fiber intake, it's also important that you increase your water intake as well. Yes, definitely. <laughs> And then just note that your fiber and fat intake needs might be higher or lower depending on your own individual calorie needs. So always talk with your individual healthcare provider. Now, let's talk a little bit about the benefits of fat and fiber for glycemic and lipid management. Why are good fats and fiber important nutrients for people who have diabetes or who are at risk for prediabetes and cardiometabolic conditions? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many benefits, right? So there's a few main reasons. So one of the first, when we look at the good fats and fiber, is that these nutrients help to support your heart. Um, both of these nutrients can help to maintain those healthy LDL cholesterol levels, which can in turn help to reduce the risk of heart disease. And when we look at uh, what the CDC recommends, um, people with diabetes, you know, they have double the risk of developing heart disease than those who don't. So this is why it's so incredibly important that we really focus on what can we do and how can we improve our dietary choices to focus on heart health. Now, there is a pretty interesting um, systematic review and meta-analysis that evaluated the evidence of an effect really of foods on those LDL cholesterol levels. And so the researchers found that foods that were high in unsaturated fat, and they were low in saturated fats and trans fatty acids, but also high in soluble fiber, can support reductions in LDL cholesterol levels. Now, when we look at this, there are several foods that were included in this were things like fresh avocado and flaxseed and walnuts and almonds and whole grain foods, even tomatoes. Um, these were shown to be associated with reducing those LDL cholesterol levels in the body. So what this shows us is that incorporating more of these foods into the diet is one way that you can boost your intake of unsaturated fat and fiber and that may in turn help to reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease. I know that nutrition research is very complicated and people can question the validity of research when it comes to food. Can you tell us a little bit more about this research? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's such a great question. And I think especially as healthcare professionals, you know, we always have to look at where the research is coming from with a critical eye. For this particular research, uh, it was pretty amazing what they looked at here. So they had a total of 37 guidelines, 108 systematic reviews, and 20 randomized controlled trials that were all included in this study. So they looked at a lot of data to reach their conclusions. Now, with that being said, with all research, we always need to consider that there are limitations. And, you know, for any research we talk about today, I'll make sure I point these out. Um, But with this study, this was a systematic review, which means that it relies on the work of others. And so things like potential conflicts of interest, they weren't considered. Um, And then, of course, we still need future studies because these future studies should really investigate the foods that were shown to have a moderate effect or a low evidence of LDL reductions. We want to study those further. And then it's also important here to just remember that the findings of a study, they can never be generalized to all populations. But I do think what this research shows and the results from it is that it does suggest avocados are a heart-healthy fruit. Definitely. And what about research linked to insulin and diabetes? So when we look at the good fats, when we look at fiber, they definitely can play an impact on managing blood sugar and insulin response. And that's because when you think about fiber specifically, the body's unable to absorb and break it down like it does with other carbohydrates. So it's not going to cause a spike in blood sugar that like you might see after consuming other forms of carbohydrate. Um, Because of this, it can help to keep your blood sugar in a target range. Now, there was a systematic review of studies that included more than 10,000 adults, and these adults had either type 2 diabetes or prediabetes. And what this research found was it suggested that a higher fiber diet was important for diabetes management. Um, The study reported that increased fiber intake reduced hemoglobin A1C levels, fasting plasma glucose, insulin, and insulin resistance. And they also saw other markers of metabolic health reduce, like lipids and body weight, BMI, and even C-reactive protein when they compared this to low-fiber diets. Now, just like we talked about before, uh, this study design, it doesn't demonstrate cause and effect, and the findings don't apply to all populations. And they are limited by differences in the studies that were included, but it just goes to show the role that fiber may play when it comes to glycemic response and diabetes management. That's really helpful. And what about research related to inflammation, since I know that has a significant impact on heart risk and diabetes? Absolutely, yes. And you always want to look um, for what can be helpful when it comes to inflammation. And one way to look at that is C-reactive protein or CRP. Now, high CRP levels are important to note because they have been linked to an increased risk of thrombotic events and myocardial infarctions, as well as an increased risk of later development of diabetes. Now, there was a clinical study that was done, and the researchers counseled 93 adults who had insulin resistance. And what they had them do was they had them exchange carbohydrate foods in their usual diet with an avocado or they followed a low-fat, low-fiber, energy-matched control diet for 12 weeks. And so they compared it. And what they found was that the total dietary intake of unsaturated fat and fiber and vegetables all increased in the group that exchanged the carbohydrate food with avocado. And in this group, the CRP was significantly lowered in the avocado group. Now, they didn't find between the two groups, there wasn't any change in body weight or body composition. Um, there was no change in insulin sensitivity or A1C or glucose or lipids. And this research was funded by the Avocado Nutrition Center. So like the other research, you know, these findings are limited and they're not going to apply to all people. But I wanted to share this because I do think this study contributes to the growing body of research investigating the role of avocado in inflammation. 
And, you know, any of these findings, they provide support for the role of just getting more unsaturated fat and fiber into those healthy eating patterns. Definitely. And eating is always so personal and individualized, so nothing is going to apply to everyone. But let's talk a little bit about the tangible benefits. Someone who is eating according to these recommendations will start to feel right away. Yes, exactly. Because this can be so hard. Sometimes you're working with clients and if they don't see results in their blood for three to six months, it's hard to stay motivated sometimes. So one of the things I really like to point out to them is when we focus on fats and fiber in the diet is how it can impact that feeling of satisfaction after eating. You know, both fiber and fat, they promote satiety or that physical feeling of fullness. And we know this is important for managing appetite as well as body weight. You know, fat in particular, it's a really potent stimulator of certain satiety hormones. And with fats and even some fiber, they also slow gastric emptying, which is the process of how quickly food moves from the stomach to the small intestines. So when that slows, that can help you to feel more full after a meal. And fiber also moves more slowly through the digestive system because it can't be digested. So we have to look, you know, research, it's still exploring exactly how pairing fat and fiber can enhance satiety and those feelings of fullness. But I find, you know, especially for my clients is if they understand the physiological process of feeling full, it can be really empowering for them in terms of making those food choices. So how can clinicians explain these benefits to patients in their practice succinctly and convincingly? Yeah, that's always the million dollar question, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to, get them to make the changes. So, you know, one of the things I think is so important is that when it comes to making food recommendations, you know, we have to meet patients and clients where they're at. And we really have to consider everything um, from their lifestyle to their food preferences to even their budget and their culture. Um, so I always like to recommend start by asking the patient, what are their goals? And have them share with me some details about their typical meals and their eating patterns. And then from there, we can really work together to identify places where they can make small, manageable changes that are practical and that are easier for them to stick with. For instance, if I have a client come in and they're not eating any fruits or vegetables every day, I can't just recommend to them to go eat 28 grams of fiber per day or eat five to eight servings of fruits and vegetables. They're going to feel totally overwhelmed. But instead, if we look at a small goal of adding a few berries into their morning cereal, or they put a few slices of avocado on their sandwich, that can feel much less overwhelming. It's more of a concrete task they can do, and they're more likely to stick with it. That is such a great way to make recommendations that work with what people are already eating. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, when you think about it too, like one question I get, and I don't know if you've heard this a lot too, but whenever I talk about fiber and say get more fiber in the diet, I always have a client say, well, can't I just take a pill for that? You know, everybody always wants to just Mm -hmm. do something really simple. You know, one of the recommendations is yes, there are fiber supplements, but food is really what we want to focus on first when it comes to increasing fiber, because food provides us with a variety of other nutrients that we're getting vitamins and minerals, which are also beneficial. Um, So, you know, our role really is to identify those sources of fiber for the client that come from food to make sure they're increasing their recommendations. And supplementation, of course, can be used, but we don't want to have that as the only recommendation. You know, and even swaps too, I I find a lot of times swaps are easy. Like when it comes to fats, you know, when we're talking about getting more unsaturated fat versus saturated fat, there's so many swaps. You know, if somebody always cooks in butter, they could use olive oil or they could do half and half. One of my favorite swaps is mashed avocado. It can actually be used in replacement of butter and baked goods. Even if you're making cookies, you can use mashed avocado instead of the butter and you're getting more good fats into the recipe. You know, and even um, like for fiber with oats. If you are 
incorporating a lot of refined flour into the diet and you can switch it with oat flour. Oats are rich in soluble fiber. They have resistant starch, which can benefit cholesterol and blood sugar levels. And it's an incredibly easy swap that most people can implement without a problem. Those are some great recommendations and helpful advice. How can clinicians recommend increased uptake of these nutrients in a way that's relevant to a wide variety of cultural cuisines? Yeah, it's such a, such a great question and a very important question because when we make recommendations, I think the number one thing we really have to look at is that mindset and getting away from deprivation, right? So if we tell clients what they can add into their diet and we focus on what they can eat more of versus focusing on what they need to take away or deprive themselves of, it's such a helpful mindset shift and it puts the whole focus in such more of a positive light that people are more willing to make those changes. You know, when they see they can add more fats containing good fats, they can add more fiber-rich foods, they don't feel deprived because they're not thinking about what they're giving up. They're thinking about what they can explore and add in. And, you know, the other thing we have to think about too is for most people, if they understand why a recommendation is being made, they're more likely to implement those changes. So that education is so important too. We can't just say eat more fiber without telling people why. So if we share how good fats and fiber can benefit the heart and they can benefit blood sugar, and we tie that back to the goal the patient already has, it can really be motivating. You know, if somebody wants to lower their LDL cholesterol levels and they're educated on the benefit that fiber has on bringing those cholesterol levels down and the benefit of swapping saturated fat for unsaturated fat, they're more likely to focus on making those changes and improve compliance. Do you have any final thoughts or recommendations for our listeners? I think when we talk about everything we talked about today, we've seen in the research what we've discussed that fat and fiber are two nutrients that are important to consider and to ask about when you're working with a patient. You know, you really want to understand how or even if they're incorporating these nutrients into their eating habit and then start to really implement those small positive changes to their overall diet. You know, I think it's important, like we as clinicians, we have to understand the science and the impact it can have on health. So we always have to stay up to date with the latest research. You know, when it comes to avocado, which I know we've been talking about a lot today, there's some really interesting new research on the horizon looking at avocado consumption and the outcomes such as glycemic management and insulin response and vascular health and liver function. So staying up to date on new research is key. But we also have to recognize that as much as we love the science and we love the numbers, you know, for many people, dietary change and just nutrition overall can feel very overwhelming. So our goal really is to remove that stress and not to overwhelm people and to focus on enjoying eating and enjoying foods, not restrictive behaviors, but really educating about the foods they like or the foods that maybe they're confused about. You know, people are confused about avocados and nuts because of their fat content or eggs because of cholesterol or even sweets. If we can address these foods and have that conversation about how they can be part of an overall healthy eating pattern, that really improves the conversation. It has more of a positive spin. It improves self-efficacy. So that's really the focus that we should be taking. You know, and the last thing is just we need to help clients identify all those obstacles that they face that are getting in the way of them making sustainable changes. And if we can come up with practical solutions that they can implement on a daily basis, and we can bridge that gap between scientific findings and realistic lifestyle advice, we're going to empower our clients to really make changes they can stick with. Oh, that's great. I love your find their why, because I think really explaining why is so key. Thank you so much for being on the show, Erin. And thanks to our listeners. Thanks for listening to The Huddle. You can find resources from today's episode in our show notes. 
Learn about the resources, education, and networking opportunities available for you as an ADCS member at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join. And be sure to check out loveonetoday.com for the latest research, free educational materials, how-to tips like how to store and prepare avocados, and a collection of easy-to-make recipes. To make certain you have access to the latest resources, sign up for Love One Today's newsletter that delivers continuing education, new research alerts, plus recipe inspiration for your patients straight to your inbox. And if you work in a Hispanic population, they've got you covered there too. SaboreaUnooy.com is their resource designed especially for Hispanic audience providing culturally inspired recipes, tips, and educational handouts in Spanish. And stay tuned. We have an upcoming episode of the Forefront videocast, also sponsored by Love One Today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.